my message, really. But because we're in the middle, we're not in the middle, we're at the very beginning, actually, um, of a new series called The Beatitudes. Isn't that great? A great graphic. And last week, Ewan started with week one, and he was giving us a beautiful broad brushstroke of what the Beatitudes is all about, what it means. He gave us some good context. And so this week, we're off and running week one with our first Beatitude. Um, Right here, and I realise you probably can't see very well, but this is an empty jar, and this is a very full jar of water, just to prove that. I'll just wet back. We've got an empty jar and a very full jar here as my prop today. Um, So we find the Beatitudes at the very beginning of the book of Matthew. Now, before Jesus sits on the mountain and gives these nine powerful statements, he was very intentional. The first thing he did before he got to his inaugurable, inaugurable, inaugural speech was he went out and he started to preach repentance. The Bible says that everywhere he went, he said, repent, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent means have a change of heart. Have a change of mind. The kingdom has come near. He then went to a prominent city, a large city, where he could gather some momentum and he just started healing people. The Bible says he healed people from all sickness and all disease. He's been very strategic. First of all, he said, have a change of heart, have a change of mind. He's positioned himself in the biggest city and then he's started healing people and now he's got an audience. Now he's got an audience who are ready to hear a different message. Isn't he so clever? So then he starts with his Beatitudes and there's masses there listening. The the disciples primarily, but then the masses, after hearing and seeing, they want to know more. So he starts speaking. And each statement that he makes in the Beatitudes, it starts with this, blessed are. Blessed are. And blessed in this context simply means happiness. Happy are you when? He's talking about how to be happy. Now, some people think that God doesn't want us to be happy. But God created happiness. And here he is, inaugural speech, talking about happiness, how you can be happy. Interestingly enough, he's saying your pursuit of happiness is not what makes you happy. Your researching happy, your investing in happy doesn't equal happy. How interesting. But then he says these nine kingdom principles, these foundational statements are what will make you deeply happy. I love that. It's his inaugural moment. It's his big moment, his first speech, and he's speaking about your happiness. So the first one this morning and and the one that I'm stopping at because we're going to examine one each week, because they're very rich, they're very rich, is this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Say it with me this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
I'm wondering this morning, have you ever been really full? Have you ever been really full? You've gone out for a degustation and um, you've had eight courses and um, you're at the end of the night, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so full and I've got another course, the petty fours are yet to come. And we all know the petty fours are the very best. They're those little delicious things. And then there's tea and coffee. So because we're sacrifices, we're going to just take it and we're going to eat it. We're going to go the whole way. We're going to eat the petty fours. But we come away feeling so full. You cannot fit another thing in. It's borderline bath. Or maybe you've been to... Macca's, Hungry Jack's, and you've bought that, that meal. What's that meal called where you get a fries? Stunner meal. Stunner meal. You get fries, nuggets, burger, and sundae, and Coke. And you want to vomit, maybe not because you're full, but because it's completely disgusting. But anyway, have you ever been really full? Have you ever been really hungry? Have you ever been so hungry, so ravenous for something to eat that anything would appetise you in that moment? My husband Ewan once did a 40-day fast. We were in America 17 years ago. It was painful to watch. He would only eat something really small. Well, like... We went to Disneyland on like day 30 and we're eating like turkey shanks. And um, Ewan, that was the day he could eat. He had a a bag of baby carrots. They sell bags of baby carrots at Disneyland. And he just ate like two baby carrots. And uh, we're like, very close. But it reminds me of a scripture in Proverbs 27.7. It says, One who is full loathes honey from the comb, but to the hungry, even the bitter, tastes sweet. When you're full, even the greatly desired food items like a honeycomb are loathed. But when you're empty, things that seem hard to take, hard to swallow sweet. So essentially, our first beatitude today, the poor in spirit, is having this sense of being totally, completely, utterly empty. Nothing. Poor in this verse, it means to be empty of wealth. It means to be empty of influence, empty of position, empty of honour, reduced to beggary and powerless to accomplish an end. It's the very, very opposite of being full. It's not talking about our material wealth in this sense. It's talking about our spiritual state, poor in spirit. So Jesus is saying here that when you're empty, when you have absolutely nothing, you can't rely on yourself to get what you need, 
You're aware of your desperate sense of spiritual poverty. You can't give God anything that he needs. You're absolutely undeserving of who he is, just like we're singing this morning. And even to be more accurate, you're not just empty, but you have a huge debt that you have no way of paying. I wonder if anyone's felt like that this morning. Spiritually bankrupt. When you are spiritually bankrupt, then you can have the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, (laughs) but I feel somewhat offended at that. I feel confronted, challenged by that statement. The very things that we aspire to be in our life, Jesus is condemning. I mean, we're all just over here trying to make our way, right? We're trying to make ourselves full. We're trying to have a full self-esteem, a full sense of self-worth, a full bank account, or maybe just enough to pay the bills, half full. We're full of, we want to be full of success. We want to be full of fulfillment. We want to be full of holidays and rest. We want to be full of experiences. We want to be filled with relationship satisfaction. We want to be filled with health. We want to be filled with knowledge and study. We want the fullness of everything the world has to offer us. Fill me world. And now Jesus is saying, be empty. Be empty. Be so empty that you're like a beggar. Revelations 3.17 says this, You say, I'm rich, I've grown wealthy, and I need nothing. That kind of sounds like Perth, Western Australia to me. But you do not realise that you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. So if that's poor of spirit, what's kingdom of heaven all about then? Kingdom of heaven is an interesting idea, place, reality, sphere, world. We live, as, we live in a transitional place as Christians. We're like aliens in a foreign land. We're in the world, we live in the world, but we're called to be not of the world. What we're called to be is citizens of the kingdom of God, which is challenging for us because it's diametrically opposed to everything that the world values. So we're in this place, we're in a constant state of tension and turmoil and turbulence because we live in one world which tells us we can be full, which tells us what to value, which tells us how to have relationship. And then we have the kingdom of God over here and that's, that's giving us something completely different and we can't always see it and we can't always hear it and we don't fully understand it. But yet God is saying, be in the world, but don't hold the values of the world, hold the values of the kingdom. No wonder where. Ah! Arthur, Martha. I mean, every day we have to make a a choice. 
about how, how we're going to navigate temptation, how we're going to navigate relationship, how we're going to navigate our work environment, our school environment, every single day. Do we address this situation with the world's values? Am I going to give him a piece of my mind? Or am I going to address him with the kingdom of God values? I'm going to turn the other cheek and have a go at this one. Isn't it hard? It's okay to say it's hard. That's the state we live in. Jesus said in Revelation 3.16, he said, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Wow. He's not addressing the heat or the cold. He's addressing the lukewarmness. And what it actually means to be lukewarm is that you've settled at the room temperature. You've settled at the worldly culture. It's, you've become like the world around about you. And that's what he wants to spit out of his mouth. You look like the world. You smell like the world. You act like the world. When you have access to the kingdom, you have access to all that the kingdom has. You have the king's protection and immunity. You have the king's resource and the king's power available at your fingertips. You have the king's sovereign grace. You have his presence. You have the king's treasury. You have the king's grace. You have his rule. He will give you help when you get into trouble. That's what you have when you stand in the kingdom of God and you live according to its values. You have all of that that the king has. And you can have it all. You can have all that if you're poor in spirit, if you're empty, if you're not full. If you're full on Big Macs, there's nothing else that you can fit in here. There's nothing more for you. Sometimes we want a bit of both, don't we? And I'm not standing here this morning telling you <laughs> that i am got it all together. No, far be it from me to declare that to you. I'm on a journey just like you. I have my foot in the world and I have my foot in the kingdom of God a lot of the time. I'm on a journey to getting over here. Come on. You and did you disagree with that statement right now? But it's like water and oil. The two can't coexist. James 4.4 4 says, you adulterous people. <laughs> he doesn't beat around the bush, does he? He's just like, you're adulterous. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. My intimation here is that Jesus isn't really giving us too much of an option about having a little bit of this and a little bit of that. He's pretty black and white about having a foot in both camps. God is not a fan of dual citizenship, although we think it's a great thing. So if we're going to be people, Oasis Church, who are people marked by being poor in spirit, if we're going to be empty people, if we're going to serve the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of the world, what would that look like? What would that look like? Well, I found a great story in the book of Luke. 
And I'm going to read it to you. And then I've got (laughs) that timer. Then I've got six points and I'm just going to quickly give you, I'm going to read them out because we're almost out of time, about six ways we can choose to have a kingdom life and not a worldly life. So the story is going to come up on the screen. Found in Luke 18 verses 9 to 17. This is Jesus speaking. It's a parable, a story. And he says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people. Robbers, evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. So in this story, we've got an empty guy and we've got a really full guy. Our our empty guy is our tax collector guy and his job He was a Jew, but his job was to work for the Romans collecting taxes from his own people, his Jewish people, and give them to the Romans. But he would stuff his pockets full of money to pay himself. He was utterly despised by his Jewish friends. We've got the full guy, the Pharisee, the religious leader. He followed all the rules of the law and he made a show of his religiosity to all those around him. He was more concerned about how he looked than about what was going on on the inside of him. He was so full that he couldn't even see his need for God. He just couldn't see. He was filled with too much of himself. And so looking at this story... Six really quick ways that you can ensure that you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. Are you ready? Okay, have you got your iPhones out? They're warning me. Look, here comes the musicians. Luke. I'm just going to have to read them out to you. I'll I'll put it on our newsletter and you can have a good read if you want to. But here's our points this morning. Number one, promote God's greatness, not yourself. I'm just going to read them out. I can't unpack them this morning. Number two, keep your mind fixed on heaven, not your achievements. One thing I want to say about that real quick is that this fool guy, it says he fasted twice a week and he gave a tithe on all of his table spices and his herbs. Actually, the law was they had to only fast once a year. This guy's a mega overachiever trying to earn his own righteousness. 
Point number three. Some of these might be wrong on the screen because I had a moment of brilliance this morning at 6am and I changed some of them. Number three, ask for mercy instead of offering sacrifice. Oh my goodness, this is so good. You know why? Mercy is about relationship. It's about acknowledging that you've hurt somebody or you've done the wrong thing and you go and ask for mercy because of the relationship that you have. Sacrifice is just about yourself. Well, I gave up this thing and I gave up that thing to make myself better. That's why God desires mercy because it's relationship rooted and not sacrifice, which is all about you. Number four, be concerned with God's approval, not people's approval. Don't be a people pleaser. If God's the one who can cancel your debt, go about your life pleasing him. Number five, be content having weakness instead of trying to have it all together. It's okay to not have it all together. It's okay to be weak. It's all right to not have all the answers. I have had a hard week and I don't have all the answers, but it's all right to admit because a vulnerable, authentic life, empty of itself, Jesus can use in a powerful way. In fact, the more empty we are, the more power he can fill us with. Point number six this morning. Don't examine other people's sins. Empower them to change. You know, fool people. They think that they have a right to judge. They think that they have a right to examine because they're so full of their own righteousness. They think that they've become an authority on the subject. It's not until we realise and embrace how empty we are that we know that, like Mike said, we're all at the foot of the cross on the same level. The ground is flat. We're all there. The very next story, following that parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee, was this story happened straight away of the people bringing their babies to Jesus. And the disciples were like, no, you can't bring your baby to Jesus. Get away. And Jesus was like, no, bring them. Bring them. Because unless you become like this little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There it is again. The disciples being full, trying to disregard the important, empty, the unimportant, empty children. No, they are not worthy of Jesus. And he turns it on its head and he says, no, you need to become like them. You need to become like children who are empty of all ability to take any credit for righteousness and importance. And they're fully reliant on provision from others. Unless you become fully reliant on provision from Jesus, empty yourself of all of your own stuff. Fully reliant on being filled by Jesus Christ, not justified by your own achievements, your own righteousness, you cannot have the kingdom of heaven. So how about you this morning? Empty or full? Empty or full? Because you can choose 
what you want to be. James 2.5 says, listen, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world, hello, to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. There it is right there. He's giving you a choice. You can either be poor in spirit but rich in faith and inherit the kingdom or you can be rich in the world, poor in faith and lose your own soul. You get to choose. Why don't we pray this morning?